So I'm going to kind of get up in your business this morning. What comes out when you are crushed? Is it wine? Or is it like wine? <laughs> or like maybe even just a little bit annoyed, like her. Like you're like, oh no, this is not going down, right? Earlier this month, we sang a song at Cornerstone in this service, and the words were, this is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to, you know, because the reality is how often are we like, whatever comes, Lord, I won't complain. And then we have to repent because we probably might complain. So how do you respond when problems come up in your life? Are you an optimist? You know, God is in control. He's got this. Things are going to work out. I trust him. Or are you a worrier and a complainer? Like you go right to, this is hopeless. This kind of stuff always happens to me. This is never going to work out. So I admit, I'm a recovering complainaholic. I had a badge. That was my badge. <clears throat> um, it was a 12-step program, but we complained about it, so then they made it like a three-step program <laughs> for us. So it doesn't take too long to work through. <clears throat> I've been known to catastrophize now and again, where you take something small like a molehill and you turn it into a mountain, right? There's a show that my two-year-old is watching called The Furchester Hotel. It's basically all the Muppets, or the, the Sesame Street puppets, really, and it has Elmo in it. <clears throat> and they run a hotel, and every once in a while there's a little problem, and the song that happens every episode is, catastrophe, catastrophe, da-da, catastrophe, catastrophe, da-da. And, I, you know, I'm just dancing along in the kitchen, and Destiny's like this, and my husband goes, so what are we teaching her <laughs> with that? I hadn't even thought of it that, you know, something small happens, they're like, catastrophe, catastrophe. And I was like, okay, well, we might need to think about that because <clears throat> this is a work in progress for me, and I don't want to teach her to turn everything into a catastrophe. So for some of us here this morning, trials don't necessarily bring, like God is good all the time, right? We struggle. We find ourselves looking at our circumstances to all the negatives instead of like looking at our God for all the positives. It's so easy to do. Um, this morning we're going to learn about the importance of walking out our faith during a trial by looking at the Apostle Paul, which isn't totally fair because he's like the king of going through a trial and then still running his race well. Um, and so he might be kind of hard to imitate, but we want to learn from him because we want to run our race well. The way you handle difficulty in your life communicates something to the world around you. It's communicating something. It's communicating something to your family, to your co-workers, to your neighbors. And when you whine, you can't shine. Right? People are watching you. When you whine, you can't shine. This little light of mine... That's, it doesn't work that way. So what do you think we're communicating to those around us when the first thing we do when we're faced with a trial is whine and fret and complain? What are we telling them? Are we giving them any reason to look to God for hope? What are we communicating to God when that's the first thing that happens? Well, we're kind of telling them we don't trust him. 
when we do that. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul talks about how we spread the fragrance of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14 But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. You all have, there's a cup on your table, and it has a little bit of lavender and a little bit of cardamom in it. Take a pinch. You can either take a cardamom pod or take a pinch of lavender and just pass it around, and I'm going to keep talking. And, and crush it while I'm talking. Pull it out and just crush it. As God leads Paul in his victory procession through Paul's, Paul's preaching in life, the apostle spreads the fragrance of his knowledge of Christ wherever he goes. Even in his suffering, even in his crushing. So now, the parts, as you crush it, smell it. It brings out this beautiful aroma. The cardamom is sweet and spicy. The lavender is just such a nice, clean and sweet scent. When you are crushed, do you manifest the aroma of your knowledge in Christ? Do you manifest the aroma that you know Jesus? Can people tell that you know a healer, you know a deliverer, you know a conqueror, you know a, con a comforter, you know a way maker, you know a provider, you know a raiser from the dead. Can they tell when you're crushed, do you leave this fragrance that tells them you know Jesus? Can they sense him with you? Paul goes on to say in verse 15, For we are, we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the smell of death, and to the other we are the fragrance of life. Now in context, he's talking about that we're the smell of life or death depending on how those around us receive our testimony. If they see our walk and our lives and they believe in Jesus, then we are the smell of life. If they see our walk and they turn away from him, then we're the smell of death. But I kind of saw this another way. Which would you rather leave with people? The lingering fragrance of fear and despair? Or this permeating scent of hope and life? When you're going through something, what do you want to leave people with? How we walk out our faith when we are crushed matters. It matters. We're being watched by the world. If you say you're a Christian, you are being watched. And there's a scent we're leaving in our wake, whether we mean to or not, it's there. Like when someone walks by and you smell their perfume at the mall, sometimes you're like, woo, you know? And then, but sometimes it's like, oh, that smells so nice. Should I follow that person? Should I ask her what that perfume is because that smells so nice? It's just this scent that stays and it can be so pleasant and so nice. That's what we're leaving. Are we leaving something sweet and life-giving or are we leaving something toxic and bitter? When we get crushed, we just put out toxic stuff. To be completely honest, I have met many Christians who walk through life with less hope and faith than those that don't know God at all. 
I have met people who have more faith in the universe or in karma, um, things like that, than, than Christians have belief in that God's got something good for them. Christians have like the living God, right? We profess to have this great God, this overseer, protector, provider, father, but when the crushing comes, so often we can act like he doesn't, he's not really there. That the God that we talk about isn't there. When the crushing comes, we can kind of feel like and act like we don't have a God that's there for us. We look to the circumstances that face us and we lose all hope. Christine Kane said it this way. She said, the church is full of unbelieving believers. And I think it's always good. You know how much I love to self-assess and go, okay, Lord, where am I believing you, but I'm really not believing in that part of you. Let's be a generation of women that believe, that really believe that God is who he says he is. A women that know that our God is on the throne. We know that nothing is impossible for him. None of our circumstances take him by surprise. Let's be warriors and not worriers. Warriors in the spirit, in prayer, warriors in the faith. The world is losing hope, and it's our job to manifest the hope of Jesus to them through our lives, through our, into our families, into our children, into our siblings, into our workplace, to manifest Jesus. That's our job. Whether we're on the mountain or in the ditch this morning, let's leave this sweet aroma of trust in our God that people go, oh, that smells so nice. I'm going to follow her and ask her, where did that sweet aroma come from? Right? Why do you smell so sweet when your circumstances are so bad? And we can tell them. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, in this text, Paul is challenging a group of self-professed apostles. They've kind of anointed themselves apostles. And he's telling them that it's actually in his suffering for Jesus that the true witness of his apostleship is seen. They've looked down on him for his suffering. Um, they see him as weak and afflicted. They're saying they're superior to him. And they're casting doubt on his claim to be an apostle because of all his hardships. I'm going to start in verse 5. And here's Paul. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of the darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. 
So death works in us, but life in you. Jump down to verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So Paul is, Paul is just started finished, he just finished talking about the glory of God, and he explains in verse 7 that the glory is now being held in us, right? But we're just vessels. And he literally says clay pots, like from the earth, clay pots. Now, who remembers the story of Gideon when Gideon beats the Midianites? There are a ton of Midianites, and God brings down Gideon's army to just 300 men. And the way that they won the battle is they held a trumpet, which was a ram's horn in one hand, and they had a torch, with, and they held a pot, or they had a torch with a pot on it, so the torch was lit with a clay pot on top no weapons, and they stood there, and at the right time, they would bash their pots together, and the pots would break, and there was a loud clash and an explosion of light. And when that happened, the light and the noise created so much confusion among the Midianites who were just waking up that it sent them into a panic, and Gideon and his army won. I believe that the same thing happens when we allow God's light to shine through our suffering. When we, as clay pots, are broken, sometimes I have felt that. I have felt like I was crushed into like a zillion pieces on the ground. I have felt so broken. When we are broken and God's light shines through, I believe the enemy is confused. And I believe we find ourselves in the place of God's deliverance and God's rescue and God's victory. On this earth that's very fallen, we're going to have affliction and suffering. We just, that's just a fact of life. But there is a power in us at all times. There is a light in us. And where we see weakness in Paul, he sees the power of God. He's like, I'm weak. Well, then praise God because he's stronger today. I need him to be stronger today. As people see weakness in us, let us hope and pray. And I really want you guys to get this. This is it. If people see weakness in us, let us hope and pray that at the same time they see the power of God, that they see the peace of God, that they see the rest of God in the midst of our weakness. Because he will manifest in supernatural peace. What if Paul had done what a lot of us do when we reflect on our problems and just look at the bad stuff, right? I'm going to read to you what it would have sounded like. Um, we are afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. Death works in us. All things are for you. Right? It's like Eeyore. Just like, ugh, it's depressing. Like you would leave him off your Evite. 
You're just like, let's not invite Paul. He's kind of a, you know, buzzkill. Paul is just, oh, if that's all he did. And I think everyone knows someone like that, that person, that everything is down. And I have personally been that person before. Um, there was one time in my marriage where my husband had to say, can you just not say one more negative thing? Especially during my, with my postpartum depression and stuff. And when I told him that I was putting that in there, he said, Kim, I never told you, but when you were doing that, I actually started tracking it because I was ready. You, have you ever like started tracking things because you're getting ready for the argument you know is going to come? with your spouse or whatever, you're like, I'm ready. Let me get my phone, all my notes. So he started tracking it because he's like, every morning you'd come down and negative, negative, negative. That's all it was, was negative. Paul would have everyone around him trying to piece him back together like Humpty Dumpty, right? If that's how he talked, if it was just like all the negative or they would just avoid him. How powerful would he have been if that was his attitude? Negative, negative, negative. This is all the bad stuff that's going on. I guarantee he wouldn't, we wouldn't find the encouragement that we have in our Bible because of him. But Paul was an optimist inspired by this stubborn faith that Jesus is who he said he is. He acted like what he believed was 100% true. And he follows it up with, we were those things, but not crushed not despairing, not forsaken, not destroyed. The life of Jesus was manifested in our body. Life works in you. We do not lose heart. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. Look at the balance of how he did that. So as he lists his hardships, notice his big butt. Yes, we're going to talk about Paul's big butt this morning. <laughs> Did you guys know Paul had a big butt? He does have a big butt. He says, we are afflicted in every way. And the word for every is pos, which means every possible way from every angle, but not crushed. And this word for afflicted is flebo, and it's to press as grapes, press hard upon or compress, right? And what do you get when you crush grapes? You get wine something of value, nourishment, medicinal use. It was used in celebrations. It's said to make the heart glad. There's great things that come from that type of crushing. So he says, we're afflicted, but we aren't crushed in a narrow place. Now it's interesting, the words for afflicted and crushed are kind of linked because both imply this narrow place. He's like, we're in a narrow place, but we're not in a narrow place. Um, it's like Paul is saying, we have been pressed down and crowded, but we're not cornered. I'm not quartered. God has made a way, and God will make a way. He says, we are perplexed, but not despairing. This word for perplexed is to be without resources, to the point where you're embarrassed. No, no resources, you're in doubt, don't know which way to turn, you're at loss at your own self, like what's going on, don't know how to decide what to do. And I think everyone can relate to this feeling of being perplexed, right? Your life took a strange direction and you're just not sure which way to go. Why am I single? What's wrong with me? Um, which way do I go 
Now, uh, does God have a plan because I don't see it? Anyone ever felt that? Where is my life going? Why am I different than everybody else? These things can leave us questioning and doubting. One translation read this as thrown into perplexity, which I thought was fitting because we can feel thrown into this feeling by, by circumstances that we did not see coming, unexpected news or events. And Paul understood those types of things well, but he also knew he wouldn't be left to despair. This word for despair, to be utterly at a loss, to be utterly destitute of resources or any measures, to renounce all hope and be in despair. Again, both the words have similar meanings. It's like he's saying, we were without resources, but not without resources. That's how Paul, we were without resources, but we had the resource. So we did not despair, and we had hope because we had him. We were persecuted, made to run or flee, uh, harassed, troubled, mistreated, but we were not forsaken, which is being left behind. We were not totally abandoned. We were not left hopeless, and we were not left behind. And when I wrote this, the Holy Spirit was like, that's for someone there this morning. Um, You have not been left behind. You have not been left behind, and he's not going to abandon you, okay? He says we're struck down, which is literally thrown to the ground, like prostrate, just like thrown to the ground, but not destroyed. Is there anyone here this morning that has felt that, that you've like been thrown to the ground? Yeah, I have felt that way too, but not destroyed, not destroyed. In all of his trials, Paul was confident that he would not be abandoned ever, no matter what came his way. He's like, I may have been crushed, but I wasn't in a corner. God made a way. I may have been harassed. I was not without help. What situation can you look at this morning where you have a big butt? I just like saying it. You have to look for it. Sometimes you're going to have to look for the big butt, like when you get into the mirror, when you're trying stuff on and you look. That's my big butt. You've got to look for it, right? Of course, if you're like me, I only have a butt because I have a phone in it right now, but usually it goes straight down. I'm allergic to squats, so I can't do those. You know what's funny? I joke about being allergic to squats, but I honestly have a condition where I can't, I'm not allowed to do sit-ups. What, what? So it's like, that's all it's getting because I, I'm not allowed to do sit-ups. Bummer. So it just really stinks. But anyway, sometimes you got to look for your big butt, right? You may be going through a divorce, but... Man, God is providing for you. You've been amazed at his ability to provide for you in this situation. You may not know which direction your life is going right now, but you know that God is, is, is there in it and with you, and he's going to show you the way. You may be single, and you don't want to be, but God has provided such amazing friendships and support around you in this season that you're not alone. You may be crushed by circumstances, but God has not left you 
and will not leave you. Somehow Paul managed to harness like this blazing sun of faith and then just hold on to it for dear life through all of his hardships. In verse 13, he says, Having the same spirit of faith, therefore also we speak, knowing that he who raised Jesus up will raise us up. Paul was serving a resurrection God, right? The hope of resurrection kept Paul going. He knew that Christ was raised, like that was real. And so his hope was firm, knowing that he who raised Christ as the head would also raise him up. Do we believe that there's a power so strong that it raised someone from the dead? And not just Jesus, you know, Lazarus, I mean, other, you know, that tomb split open and people got up and walked around. If you don't know that, go look it up because it's awesome. God did that, right? Some of you guys are like, I better go look that up. Kim's weird, but that's in there. Tombs open, people got up, walked around. Um, That's how powerful God is. Um, Do you believe that he can resurrect your health? He can resurrect your marriage. He can resurrect your dreams. Those things that you thought were gone, he can do that. He raised Jesus. And the truth of that claim, what we base our faith on, that's our assurance. That power is there for us, and we believe it by faith. And faith is powerful and brings change. Faith isn't just something that you put on cross-stitch on your wall, like it's powerful and it brings change. God responds to it. There's a power just simply believing that he can do something. Where else did Paul's faith come from? Verse 18, he says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this word for look, scopio, isn't just like, oh, we look at it. It's we fix our gaze on it. We aim for it. We contemplate it. So our aim this morning, ladies, is to fix our eyes on things which are not seen. Not on, we don't want to aim and focus on the things that we can see down here. We spend so much time focusing on what we can see, the problems, the impossible circumstances, that we start to lose our eternal perspective, that we're eternal beings and God has a whole eternity set before us, right? Paul had an eternal mindset. He turns his gaze from what can be seen and he fixes it on this invisible world of God's rule and God's realm. He fixes his eyes on eternity and that's what helped him not lose hope. Because our time on earth is like that fast, right? It's so fast, but we get so caught up in everything that's right here. Paul managed to see beyond this into something grander and bigger, and that's where he anchored his hope, right? Our lives are bigger and longer than this time. We don't have time to complain. We only have time to scatter the fragrance of Jesus as far and wide as we can as we live our lives through the good and the bad times and pray that it impacts those around us and causes them to fall in love with Jesus like we are. So let's fix our aim not only on eternity, but on the invisible one who can move mountains, who is the king, who's on the throne, right? When you fix your attention only on what you can see, you will be left discouraged. Faith doesn't look at what's going on around us. It looks at him always. 
It's always going to look to him. If your faith is feeling weak right now, it's because it's looking at the wrong thing. Get it looking in here and get it looking at him and off of this and it will grow stronger. So how is your faith this morning? Are you confident that God is working in your circumstances? Are you trusting him? As people see you struggle, do they experience and see the power of God at work? Or do they see doubt, fear, frustration, anger, self-pity, complaining, bitterness, and you're stressing everyone out around you? Um, you guys have heard me talk about Patty because we brought her meals. And Patty Curley has gone through the ringer with stuff with her health. Horrible, horrible stuff. Um, and just, I mean, yeah, really bad stuff and mistakes from doctors and surgeries and lots of bed rest. That's why I've been saying, that's why we put out meal plans for her and try to make sure that uh, she's taken care of, right? Well, while she was going through this horrible stuff, these are the kinds of texts I got. He has plans for me. He has never left me. He has unconditional love for me. And I am so grateful. Thank you for all your prayers. And then when they made a mistake and cut something and she couldn't walk, she said, I'm basically learning to walk all over again. I am one determined woman and God is healing me. And then there was, yes, God is an awesome God. You guys, that was her fragrance. And the reason why it touches me is because it was so beautiful and I feel like it was so rare. Like I was smelling the most exotic, rarest flower from Africa or something to have her be so, her, her focus wasn't on this. It was 100%. God is with me. He loves me. He is healing me. And we're going to do this. Be like Patty. Okay? Because her circumstances were bad. And she was inspired me so much. When I first wrote, worked on this message, I really felt kind of a rebuke from God uh, that our lack of faith and our toxic attitude in trials is just not pleasing to him. Like it was, one of, it was like a rebuke. Like, I don't like this. That's not okay. It communicates that he's not who he says he is. And it's acting out like we don't trust him, right? Have you ever been in a relationship with someone that has trust issues? Anyone? You think you can love them into trusting you? You think you can show them and prove them that they can trust you, but they always doubt you and they always question you and they're just, they, they're weird. They accuse you of not loving them enough and it's really painful to be in the position where nothing you do is enough to show them that they can trust you. And that's what we do to God. But he can't break up with us and he can't leave us, right? He can just remind us of his faithfulness like he's doing this morning, and he can hope that we get it. So this is what he's saying to you this morning. Trust me. Regardless of what your circumstances are, trust me. I am who you've been worshiping. I am the God that you follow. I am the God in the Bible. 
For some of you, he might be saying this. I would just want you to stop whining. I just want you to stop whining because you are spreading so much doubt to everyone around you that they can't even see me anymore, right? We have to start acting like everything we say about him is true. Now, some of you have this down. You're, when you're going through something, people are like, how do you have all that peace? You just seem so optimistic. Well, tell them where your strength comes from. Paul knew that his trials produced faith in others and other believers. Is your trial producing faith in those around you? That's a great question to ask. Is your trial producing faith in those around you? When I had brain surgery in 2005, I had so much supernatural peace about it. I started writing this blog about it and it was all funny and people at work were like, how are you acting so normal when you're going to have brain surgery? And I would just go, God's just giving me this peace. I can't explain it. I just have peace. And that's how it went. The way that your trial produces faith in those around you is when they see your response and you tell them it's God. He's given me strength that I don't have. When we are crushed, it can produce complaining or an opportunity to testify of God's goodness and his faithfulness. Let your problems, let your problems prove your faith to be strong. Faith is going to get tested. And you want to pass, right? And you pass by allowing his fragrance to come out of that. Faith is only faith when you're up against the odds and you have to believe in something that's not there. That's when faith, where the rubber meets the road. Paul never denied things were hard, but he didn't let it like ruin his life either. He didn't let it run his life. Uh, he doesn't talk about his suffering without coupling it with this triumph and deliverance of God. He looked to God in faith and he trusted him. And when crushing came, he kept his eyes on the unseen and in doing so distributed the fragrance of Christ to those around him. Now I feel like God wants me to pray for anyone who feels like you are crushed right now. And it can be a big crushing or a little crushing, but you are feeling either you're in a narrow space, you're confused and perplexed, you're feeling uh, out of resources, whatever. Um, if that's you, I want you to stand up and I'm just going to pray for you. And I know there's a lot of you because God said there was you that needed prayer. Okay, ladies, these women around you that are standing, they're going through hard times and they are crushed. They are feeling like they're in pieces. And we're going to pray that just like the pots that were broken, that the light of God would break out from where they're at and they would be able to dig deep and find strength and faith and trust no matter what's going on. So if there's a lady standing by you, just put your hand on her and I'm going to pray, okay? God, I pray for your daughters this morning. Some of them are feeling crushed, that there's no resources 
that they can't see a way, that they are without hope. But God, we look to you this morning and we take our eyes off of our circumstances and we declare that our God is good, our God is trustworthy, our God is faithful, our God is able to resurrect things that are dead, our God is able to restore things that are broken, our God is able to provide for us when there's no provision. We believe you, God. We, we put our faith in you this morning over these women and we declare your trustworthiness that you are able to deliver them out of this place that you are able to draw them up out of the pit and set their feet on solid ground, that you are able to bring healing to their bodies and to their minds and restoration to their families. In Jesus' name, nothing is impossible for you. You make a way where there is no way and you bring streams into the deserts and you part seas. And we pray this morning for each and every woman this morning that needs that, that you would do that. And on their end, God, we do pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, give them the grace and strength to dig deep and find faith and trust and hope and to lift it up, that it would break forth from them and shine and the most amazing, beautiful fragrance would be poured out around them to those around them and they would see, surely God is with this woman because she is going through a trial and she is walking with grace and trust in her God. Thank you, God, that we are not alone ever. You will never abandon us and leave us and that you are walking this out with each of these women this morning. We love you. We trust you, God. And where our hope has been battered, we ask that you would fill it up again. Holy Spirit, fill us up afresh this morning and give us the strength and grace to move forward in whatever is facing us right now. We love you, God. Amen.